0: Day Ten, The Fourth Story of The Decameron. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Philippa Jevons. The Decameron by Giovanni Boccaccio. Translated by J. M. Rigg. Day Ten, The Fourth Story. Messer Gentile di Carisendi, being come from Modena, disinters a lady that he loves who had been buried for dead. She, being reanimated, gives birth to a male child, and Messer Gentile restores her, with her son, to Nicoluccio Caccianimico, her husband. A thing marvellous, seemed it to all, that for liberality a man should be ready to sacrifice his own life, and herein they averred that nothing had without doubt left the king of Spain, and the abbot of Cluny behind. However, when they had discussed the matter diversely and at large, the king, bending his regard on Lauretta, signified to her his will that she should tell, and forthwith, accordingly, Lauretta began. Goodly matters are they, and magnificent, that have been recounted to you, young ladies. Nay, so much of our field of discourse is already filled by their grandeur, that for us that are yet to tell there is methinks no room left unless we seek our topic there where matter of discourse germane to every theme does most richly abound to wit in the affairs of love for which cause as also for that our time of life cannot but make us especially inclinable thereto i am minded that my story shall be of a feat of magnificence done by a lover which all things considered will peradventure seem to you inferior to none that have been shown you so it be true that to possess the beloved one men will part with their treasures forget their enmities and jeopardize their own lives their honor and their reputation in a thousand ways know then that at bologna that most famous city of lombardy there dwelt a knight messer gentile carisendi by name worshipful alike for his noble lineage and his native worth who in his youth, being enamoured of a young gentlewoman named Madonna Catalina, wife of one Nicoluccio Catianimico, and well-nigh despairing, for that the lady gave him but a sorry requital of his love, betook him to Modena, being called thither as Podesta. Now, what time he was there, Nicoluccio, being also away from Bologna, and his lady gone, for that she was with child, to lie in at a house she had some three miles or so from the city— It befell that she was suddenly smitten with a sore malady of such and so virulent a quality that it left no sign of life in her, so that the very physicians pronounced her dead. And for that the women that were nearest of kin to her professed to have been told by her that she was not so far gone in pregnancy that the child could be perfectly formed, they, without more ado, laid her in a tomb in a neighbouring church, and after long lamentation closed it upon her. Whereof, Messer Gentile, being forthwith apprised by one of his friends, did, for all she had been most niggardly to him of her favour, grieve not a little, and at length fell a communing with himself on this wise. So, Madonna Catalina, thou art dead. While thou livest, never a glance of thine might I have. Wherefore, now that thou art dead, tis but right that I go take a kiss from thee. "'Twas night, while he thus mused, and forthwith, observing strict secrecy in his departure, "'he got him to horse with a single servant, and halted not until he was come to the place "'where the lady was interred, and having opened the tomb, he cautiously entered it. "'Then, having lain down beside her, he set his face against hers, "'and again and again, weeping profusely the while, he kissed it. But, as tis matter of common knowledge, that the desires of men, and more especially of lovers, know no bounds, but crave ever an ampler satisfaction, even so Messer Gentile, albeit he had been minded to tarry there no longer, now said to himself, Wherefore touch I not her bosom a while? I have never yet touched it, nor shall I ever touch it again. Obeying which impulse he laid his hand on her bosom, and keeping it there some time, felt as he thought her heart faintly beating whereupon banishing all fear and examining the body with closer attention he discovered that life was not extinct though he judged it but scant and flickering and so aided by his servant he bore her as gently as he might out of the tomb and set her before him upon his horse and brought her privily to his house at bologna where dwelt his wise and worthy mother who, being fully apprised by him of the circumstances, took pity on the lady, and had a huge fire kindled, and a bath made ready, whereby she restored her to life. Whereof the first sign she gave was to heave a great sigh, and murmur, Alas! where am I? To which the worthy lady made answer, Be of good cheer thou art well lodged and by the lady coming to herself looked about her and finding herself she knew not where and seeing messer gentile before her was filled with wonder and besought his mother to tell her how she came to be there messer gentile thereupon told her all sore distressed thereat the lady after a while thanked him as best she might after which she besought him by the love that he had borne her and of his courtesy that she might while she tarried in his house be spared aught that could impair her honour and her husband's, and that at daybreak he would suffer her to return home." "'Madam,' replied Messer Gentile, "'however I did affect you in time past, since God in his goodness has by means of the love I bore you restored you to me alive, I mean not now or at any time hereafter to entreat you either here or elsewhere save as a dear sister.'" but yet the service I have to-night rendered you merits some guerdon, and therefore leave had I that you deny me not a favour which I shall ask of you. Whereto the lady graciously made answer that she would be prompt to grant it, so only it were in her power and consonant with her honour. Said then Messer Gentile, "'Your kinsfolk, madam, one and all, nay, all the folk in Bologna, are fully persuaded that you are dead.' there is therefore none to expect you at home wherefore the favour i crave of you is this that you will be pleased to tarry privily here with my mother until such time which will be speedily as i return from modena and tis for that i purpose to make solemn and joyous donation of you to your husband in presence of the most honourable folk of this city that i ask of you this grace mindful of what she owed the knight, and witting that what he craved was seemly, the lady, albeit she yearned not a little to gladden her kinsfolk with the sight of her in the flesh, consented to do as Messer Gentile besought her, and thereto pledged him her faith. And scarce had she done so, when she felt that the hour of her travail was come, and so, tenderly succoured by Messer Gentile's mother, she not long after gave birth to a fine boy." which event did mightily enhance her own and messer gentile's happiness then having made all meet provision for her and left word that she was to be tended as if she were his own wife messer gentile observing strict secrecy returned to modena his time of office there ended in anticipation of his return to bologna he appointed for the morning of his arrival in the city a great and goodly banquet at his house whereto were bidden not a few of the gentlemen of bologna and among them Nicoluccio Caccianimico, whom, when he was returned and dismounted, he found awaiting him, as also the lady, fairer and more healthful than ever, and her little son doing well, and so with a gladness beyond compare he ranged his guests at table, and regaled them with many a course magnificently served. And towards the close of the feast, having premonished the lady of his intention, and concerted her with how she should behave, Thus he spoke, "'Gentlemen, I mind me to have once heard tell of, as I deem it, a delightsome custom which they have in Persia. To wit, that, when one would do his friend a special honour, he bids him to his house, and there shows him that treasure, be it wife, or mistress, or daughter, or what not, that he holds most dear, assuring him that yet more gladly were it possible, he would show him his heart.' which custom I am minded to observe here in Bologna. You, of your courtesy, have honoured my feast with your presence, and I propose to do you honour in the Persian fashion, by showing you that which in all the world I do and must ever hold most dear. But before I do so, tell me, I pray you, how you conceive of a nice question that I shall lay before you. Suppose that one has in his house a good and most faithful servant, who falls sick of a grievous disorder, and that the master tarries not for the death of the servant, but has him borne out into the open street, and concerns himself no more with him, that then a stranger comes by, is moved to pity of the sick man, and takes him to his house, and by careful tendance, and at no small cost, restores him to his wonted health. Now I would fain know whether the first master has in equity any just cause to complain of, or be aggrieved with the second master, if he retain the servant in his employ, and refuse to restore him, when so required. The gentlemen discussed the matter after diverse fashions, and all agreed in one sentence, which they committed to Nicoluccio Cacianimico, for that he was an eloquent and accomplished speaker, to deliver on the part of them all. Nicoluccio began by commending the Persian custom, after which he said that he and the others were all of the same opinion, to wit, that the first master had no longer any right in his servant, since he had not only abandoned, but cast him forth, and that by virtue of the second master's kind usage of him, he must be deemed to have become his servant. Wherefore, by keeping him, he did the first master no mischief, no violence, no wrong." whereupon the rest that were at the table said one and all being worthy men that their judgment jumped with nicoluccio's answer the knight well pleased with the answer and that it was nicoluccio that gave it affirmed that he was of the same opinion Adding, 'Tis now time that i show you that honour which i promised you he then called two of his servants and sent them to the lady whom he had caused to be apparelled and adorned with splendour charging them to pray her to be pleased to come and gladden the gentleman with her presence. So she, bearing in her arms her most lovely little son, came, attended by the two servants, into the saloon, and by the knight's direction took a seat beside a worthy gentleman, whereupon "'Gentlemen,' quoth the knight, "'this is the treasure that I hold, and mean ever to hold, more dear than aught else. Behold, and judge whether I have good cause.' The gentlemen said not a little in her honour and praise, averring that the knight ought indeed to hold her dear. Then, as they regarded her more attentively, there were not a few that would have pronounced her to be the very woman that she was, had they not believed that woman to be dead. But none scanned her so closely as Nicoluccio, who, the knight being withdrawn a little space, could no longer refrain his eager desire to know who she might be but asked her whether she were of Bologna or from other parts. The lady, hearing her husband's voice, could scarce forbear to answer, but yet, not to disconcert the knight's plan, she kept silence. Another asked her if that was her little boy, and yet another if she were Messer Gentile's wife or in any otherwise his connection, to none of whom she vouchsafed an answer. Then Messer Gentile coming up, "'Sir,' "'quoth one of the guests. "'This treasure of yours is goodly indeed, "'but she seems to be dumb. "'Is she so?' "'Gentlemen,' "'quoth Messer Gentile, "'that she has not as yet spoken "'is no small evidence of her virtue.' "'Then tell us you who she is,' "'returned the other. "'That,' "'quoth the knight, "'will I write gladly, "'so you but promise me "'that no matter what I may say, "'none of you will stir from his place "'until I have ended my story.' all gave the required promise and when the tables had been cleared messer gentile being seated beside the lady thus spoke gentlemen this lady is that loyal and faithful servant touching whom a brief while ago i propounded to you my question whom her own folk held none too dear but cast out into the open street as a thing vile and no longer good for aught But I took thence, and by my careful tendance, wrested from the clutch of death, whom God, regardful of my good will, has changed from the appalling aspect of a corpse to the thing of beauty that you see before you. But for your fuller understanding of this occurrence, I will briefly explain it to you. He then recounted to them in detail all that had happened from his first becoming enamoured of the lady to that very hour, "'whereto they hearkened with no small wonder.' "'After which—and so,' he added, "'unless you, and more especially Nicoluccio, "'are now of another opinion than you were a brief while ago, "'the lady rightly belongs to me, "'nor can any man lawfully reclaim her of me.' "'None answered, for all were intent to hear what more he would say. "'But while Nicoluccio and some others that were there "'wept for sympathy,' Messer Gentile stood up, and took the little boy in his arms and the lady by the hand, and approached Nicoluccio, saying, Rise, my gossip, I do not indeed restore thee thy wife, whom thy kinsfolk and hers cast forth, but I am minded to give thee this lady my gossip, with this her little boy, whom I know well to be thy son, and whom I held at the font, and named Gentile." and I pray that she be not the less dear to thee, for that she has tarried three months in my house, for I swear to thee that God, who peradventure ordained that I should be enamoured of her, to the end that my love might be, as it has been, the occasion of her restoration to life, that never with her father or her mother, or with thee, did she live more virtuously than with my mother in my house. Which said, he turned to the lady, saying, "'Madam, I now release you from all promises made to me, and so deliver you to Nicoluccio.' Then, leaving the lady and the child in Nicoluccio's embrace, he returned to his seat. Thus to receive his wife and son was to Nicoluccio a delight great in the measure of its remoteness from his hope, wherefore in the most honourable terms at his command he thanked the knight, whom all the rest, weeping for sympathy, greatly commended for what he had done, as did also all that heard thereof. The lady, welcomed home with wondrous cheer, was long a portent to the Bolognese, who gazed on her as one raised from the dead. Messer Gentile lived ever after as the friend of Nicoluccio, and his and the lady's kinsfolk. Now, what shall be your verdict, gracious ladies?' a king's largesse though it was of his sceptre and crown an abbot's reconciliation at no cost to himself of a malefactor with the pope or an old man's submission of his throat to the knife of his enemy will you adjudge that such acts as these are comparable to the deed of messer Gentile, who though young and burning with passion and deeming himself justly entitled to that which the heedlessness of another had discarded and he by good fortune had recovered not only tempered his ardour with honour, but having that which, with his whole soul, he had long been bent on resting from another, did with liberality restore it. Assuredly, none of the feats aforesaid seem to me like unto this. End of Day 10. The Fourth Story